Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. She's agreed to come on and tell her story about original shadow banning and harassment by tech companies, particularly Twitter. But she's going to go in detail and tell her story. Her name is Kathy Snell Amadon. And uh, she's going to tell her story about how she got involved in political activism through the Tea Party, how she was involved in creating the uh, special the subcommittee on Benghazi, which uh, was H.R. 36, I believe was the, the, the title for that, a select committee to hold hearings on the Benghazi murders of four Americans. So she's going to tell about that story and how it's impacted her ability to conduct business and just basically how it's influenced this harassment, online harassment has influenced her life negatively. Kathy, are you there? Hey, William. Yes, I am. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to the show. So, for people who don't know your name, talk a little bit about your background, how you got involved in political activism, and how you and your network of Tea Party um, members got this Benghazi hearing and, and the importance of the Benghazi and its effect upon you, please. Well, sure. Um, first of all, it, it's the um, uh, back in 20... Well, I guess it was 2013. My brilliant partner, friend, and, and the founder of our Twitter group. We were a grassroots, small grassroots group, and always wanted to do something, you know, that would change, actually influence something, change something. And when we found Twitter, um, we discovered, he discovered how to use Twitter as an activist tool. Uh, it is an absolute phenomenal activist tool, especially for what we were doing, instantaneous. And um, so he came up with an idea. What we wanted to do was um, help influence Congress uh, because Congress, you know, puts out puts forth these House resolutions, these bills, and they have to get a vote on the House floor. So uh, we had figured the way to, uh, I was the co-founder, he was a founder, but figured a way to help, especially on a bill that we were passionate about, which was H.R. 36. That is the um, House resolution that was authored by now-retired House Rep. Frank Wolf back in 2013, and they only had about 30 co-sponsors. Well, if you know how the House works, uh, congressmen will put out, they get hundreds of bills a year, and some of them never see the light of day because they don't have the co-sponsors for them. And we thought Benghazi was important. So we had a small team across the country that was dedicated, grassroots, didn't make any money for this, but every day for 17 months, from 7 o'clock at night for the next three or four hours, we would tweet directly to the individual GOP house reps at the time, uh, directly on their pages, which we all considered even then, as the uh, public square, the town square. Because, as my partner always said, and it's true to this day, I think, you can call the reps' offices, and it just seems to fall, you know, go nowhere. You can email them. It goes nowhere. You can fax them. But when you were on Twitter, uncensored, they saw these, and it was public pressure. But we friendly and say, hey, reps, so-and-so, please. Contact Frank Wolf, give him a phone number, and say, please 
proposed sponsor HR 36 for Benghazi Select Committee and give them the link. And as a group, you know, you had a few people there. Well, uh, we started doing that and getting successful with it very quickly and just got bombarded by what appeared to be a really bad video game of, of um, these trolls. Trolls, that's all I can say. I call them criminals now, but back then we call them trolls um, that were just sending, you know, death threats and big brothers watching you and putting my address out and trying to stop us and reporting us to Twitter Trust and Safety. Nobody's looking at yet. So, excuse me, were you doxxed at that time? Did they expose your address? Well, they exposed the town that I lived in. They actually knew when I moved from one town to my hometown for a little while and put that out when nobody else did. And this is before H.R. 36 was passed. This is during your campaign. We were just just getting the co-sponsors. Gotcha. We we didn't even make a connection that somebody up the chain really didn't want that bill to pass, but in hindsight, you can see why somebody with some deep pockets wouldn't want it to pass. Um, But we stayed at it, and we've got... um, I gave you a website, William. I'm kind of resurrecting this Tea Party Firance website. And nice, loud, proud. But it's a kind of a history lesson there. And I've updated the um, additional media tab if you scroll down to the current articles about us as well. TeaPartyFireAnts.net, correct? Right. Okay. And if I may, let me, let me just kind of explain that little title and kind of the cutesy stuff that was on there. We got on Twitter. We just didn't have a group name for our little grassroots group. And uh, one of our friends that was helping us, they were going, well, what can we call ourselves? And the friend that was in the military, he was a Green Beret, and he said, oh, I just call it Fire Ants. They're team stingy, tenacious, you know. So he, my partner says, okay, Tea Party Fire Ants. And we just always stood by the Constitution and the Tea Party principles and that's, you know, we weren't taking the name of it so seriously at the time. But so were the people that were involved all members of the Tea Party movement? No, okay. no. No, I don't know that they were members of the Tea Party movement. They're, they were very um, politically interested and very much passionate gotcha. uh, about the, getting what we were doing and making a difference through Congress. Um, I will say that as we progressed on this thing, it didn't take me just a few short weeks. I was talking to the chief of staff. Not only was I talking to the chief of staff on the phone frequently, but also have 350 emails back and forth from him, considering us part of their team and their uh, knowing that we were successful. So I would get updates every couple of days or when somebody, some rep signed on to the uh, bill. I got updates all the time before it even got published. So you were getting, watching it gather steam. Who's chief of staff of Frank Wolf? Is that what you're talking about? Right. Frank Wolf is now retired, um, and his chief of staff at the time was Dan Scanling. And we just had our team being so relentless every night. I had a hidden list of the GOP House reps that were, had already been on the bill and a hidden list of the reps that were not on the bill. And so that way you can see as they tweet, and we were just on there, like I say, they were friendly to us. On the most part, they were retweeting us. They were thanking us. And those tweets, some of those tweets are on the front page, the graphic, on that Tea Party Finance website. When you go to that front homepage under that video, you'll see a big, long 
uh, uh, graphic of tweets from the reps um, and from Senator Jim Inhofe and Martha Roby and Yoder and Yet Rung and Steve Stockman back then used to retweet us all the time. I mean, it was this was a great job. This is something that people we were really hitting it out of the park with that was actually helping. And we were getting covered in articles, so after we started getting attacked, World Net Daily did two articles on us discussing what was going on and how it was really interfering with us because they tried to, I mean, they sent uh, some kind of virus things into my computer so I couldn't communicate with my partner. Had to flush out DOS, you know, for a month and had kept reporting us to Dell Harvey at Twitter and got our main account shut down, so we lost all of our major, major followers. Had to start over and over and over just to try to stop it. Now, who does that? Not your little basement dweller lefty that just thinks it's kind of fun when they're doing it 24-7, seven days a week for a couple of years. Gotcha. Okay, and what happened next? Well, now we, we continued on. We just had to keep making new accounts. And uh, John Boehner wanted to, he did not want that committee to happen. And there again on TeaPartyFinance.net website, there's a Benghazi link that shows thank you letters. And it's also discussed in the World Net Daily articles under that additional media tab. But what happened next? Because Boehner would not allow it to pass at that point, even with 156 co-sponsors, sponsors, excuse me, we had to work that many months longer to get it up to 191, but we stayed persistent, and we did. But Twitter kept shutting us down. Uh, there at the tail end, kind of getting up to a second bill, um, we also helped Tom Rice get the co-sponsors for H.R. 442 stop this overreaching president. And you can see by the kind of work we were doing, it wasn't just uh, talking about the news of the day or hammering somebody individually or anything like that. It was just good honors, you know, helping a rep. Uh, what happened next? They did finally pass um, H.R. 36, which everybody, Frank Wolf, intended for the Benghazi Select Committee to be aired on all the networks. Everybody was saying this is bigger than Watergate and the Iran-Contra. Right, but he, just, this was January 18th, 2013, he introduced that bill, right? So it was Frank Wolf was really the one who introduced it. Right. He was the author and introduced the bill. Gotcha. And with a bill, you've got to have the co-sponsors. And that's where these bills uh, languish, is if they can't get the co-sponsors or, you know, don't have the time to go chase them down, then the bill just sits there. Uh, I do want to elaborate one more step into this Twitter mess, is... After we had lost most of our um, followers and kept re- having to re- make new handles with variations of our names, um, we then tried on the third bill my group founder and partner saw a bill Ted Yoho had. And here's some criminality, I think. Is uh, Ted Yoho has a bill, I can't remember the number, but it's still good and I can still search it, uh, called Defines High Crimes and Misdemeanors of This Administration referring to the prior administration. Mm-hmm. Had two co-sponsors, so my partner said, call and see if they still want that bill, and I did, and they did. 
And we pulled a few people back together to try to do the same thing, try to help them get co-sponsors. Obviously, it was going after Obama. Well, we did that about three nights, and nobody could see our tweets. No interaction whatsoever. Uh, it, so we just said, whoa, something's bad wrong. We're being censored to death. So when, when you would do this, how many people would be involved in um, this type of Twitter activism? Well, you know, uh, when we first started doing it, before we were censored to death, we had a, a, a core group of about six or seven people across the country that worked with us every single night at 7 o'clock for three and four hours, so they knew how to do this with us. Uh-huh. But then if you see the graphic example on the front page there, it shows that we were getting a lot of others that would jump in. They may not sit there for three or four hours, but they would jump in and support us. We were getting tons of retweets or for a small group. You know, I only had 7,000 followers at the time, and my partner was using his first handle was Frank Marshall Davis Jr. because we were making fun of who we think Obama's father was. So uh, he had about 3,000, but we'd only been together as a group at that time for about five or six weeks. And in five or six weeks, we we ended up getting about 120, 130 co-sponsors on that bill, so that shows that on the first thank you letter from Frank Wolf uh, for getting that in in such a short amount of time. Gotcha. And what happened next? Well, with the the fast-forwarding a bit to that third one where we had to give it up, um, before the word shadow band was ever coined, that's what had happened when we tried to help help Ted Yoho get co-sponsors for his bill to find high crimes and misdemeanors. Which ticks me off to this day because that's telling me Twitter, Twitter was interfering with a grassroots group trying to help a congressman get co-sponsors for his bill. And that's I all was, in 2013, right? That was in uh, 20. Yeah, it was 2014, 2015. Okay. I don't remember. Because right the, the hearings of the for the um, Benghazi hearings was passed, and it started 2014 where Hillary Clinton kind of famously showed up and was quizzed for eight hours. Remember that? Right. And, and see, that was what they wanted to stop. That's why they didn't want us to be, succeed in getting the co-sponsors. And they're holding a bit of a grudge to this day. because oh, they, they got tons all, of grudges. They both, both parties have grudges against the other party. Yeah, but this, this small group of the hardcore leftist operatives that... Um, I would, I think it's coming straight out of Twitter trust and safety or working in cahoots with Twitter at the very least. They came after us. Well, like I say, they have to be paid. Nobody stalks you and defames you online and reports you and tries to shut you down and sends you all this stuff. Not just me, not just my partner, but every team member that tried to help us was filling up their timeline, fighting with them, sending them DMs, telling them not to work with us, threatening them. All this stuff was going on. So, but because when Benghazi did start, I'm sorry, can you repeat that again? Yeah, I said the reason, I guess they will hold whoever those up-the-chain people are that have been doing this to us and ruining our lives now to current is that uh, the Benghazi Select Committee, if if we hadn't had the co-sponsors and it hadn't passed on the floor, you wouldn't have had a select committee. 
without that Benghazi Select Committee, this is critical, without that Benghazi Select Committee, Judicial Watch would not have had a legal floor to introduce the email scandal that that they found. Right, and we it, describe that for people who aren't aware of the importance of the email scandal. Can you define that or describe that? Yeah, I think I can. Um, the email, the when she, when they found that she had uh, had all this email, the email server issues going on, that Judicial Watch found uh, without that select committee, they would have had to sit on that. It would have been gone, buried, because they had no house floor to any way to present it. Right, but the scandal was is that she had a private server at her home, right? That's what they discovered. Right, right. And I'm quite sure there's a lot of other... And her emails and things were deleted and things were um, destroyed, yeah, bleached bit. Because, you know, I think that uh, back then we all knew, and even today, she uh, she's not the only one involved in this thing. You know, the names back then, if you go back and look at the history, people like Susan Rice and Valerie Jarrett and Obama himself and possibly Joe Biden and all these people what was going on in the Situation Room, you know, who's... So I think that when we got bombarded so heavily trying to get those, there was a lot of other skeletons in the closet and may not have ever come out in the select committee that was behind closed doors. And that's why I believe, I personally believe, that she was trying to destroy all these emails. Tons of other evidence and implications. Of course, you know the people that talk about the Clintons and, and get too close to the truth and uh, they end up, I guess, shooting themselves in the back of the head or something. I don't know. Yeah. But that this is, this is serious stuff. Right. Yeah. right. No, it's very sensitive. I mean, Hillary Clinton blames the Benghazi Select Committee for the Jim Comey was involved with People Remember and she, she lays some blame on that for her failed 2016 election, right? Oh, absolutely. Matter of fact, that was the next thing. I'm glad you brought that up because on our on this website, I'm bringing back to life, um, TeaPartyFinance.net. There's a there's a link there. Our letter to President Trump, and it's it's the letter. It shows the return receipts to Twitter is by Gaddy and Jim Jordan and Jeff Session, were two years ago. A couple right, of weeks before you go ago. on, via Gaddy, or what, what's her name? She was with. The founder of Twitter on Joe Rogan. She was the attorney. Who she is their lead counsel. Lead counsel. She's got all the corporate speak down. She has. Yeah, she's really something else. What's her name? Well, Vaya Gaddy. Vaya Gaddy. And right. here's the thing about Vaya Gaddy. Right. Um, you know, I'm going to take a look at two things here real quick. Vaya Gaddy, on that letter to President Trump link that's on the website. And you scroll down through there and you see all these things. Now, you asked me a question before this, so let me touch on both. You were asking what Hillary Clinton, how it affected Hillary Clinton to have the select committee in the election. It is, in our opinion and the opinion of others, that it was the, it was the committee that, and, and Judicial Watch found the email scandal. Comey was going over the email scandal, but right before the election, 11 days, I think, or so before the election, Hillary was technically uh, a few points ahead. 
And Comey comes out and decides to reinvestigate right. Hillary Clinton and brings it up. And she blamed the fact that he did that on some of her supporters. It made him question her enough. And it's on this page, a particular quote or two, and I'm kind of looking for that, where she literally says she would have won the election had it been, you know, the end of October sometime right before he said that. Um, so she actually blamed that. Now, all these domino effects of what happened from us getting the co-sponsors to the committee to Judicial Watch, exposing that email scandal to Comey, then talking about the email scandal and Hillary Clinton herself blamed that on her losing the election. Um, well, you know, when you've got the media rigged and you've got the voter fraud rigged, she expected to win. Right. <laughs> That, um, I mean, even though she's an awful human being, <laughs> that's the one thing she'll never she'll never acknowledge the public is that everybody knows she's. You know, well, if any of us did the things that Hillary Clinton's been done over the years, and even lately, people just around her just die, you know, and everybody knows it. But it's kind of like they just no, no, no. The rest of us couldn't get by with this stuff. No, not ten percent of it. I mean. Not, Really, I mean, what happened with the email scandal? Frankly, she uh, she could go to jail. For, I mean, and, uh, Comey said there was no intent, right? Yeah, and in my opinion, she should have been in jail just for perjury alone. I mean, it. Yeah. Oh, here's this quote I wanted to tell you. Okay. Uh, Hillary Clinton, 2017, on reading, she said, "I was on the way to winning until Jim Comey's letter regarding the Benghazi Select Committee findings, parenthetical." On October 28th, raised doubts in the minds of people who were inclined to vote for me and got scared off. And the evidence for that is, I think, compelling, persuasive. If the election had been held on October 27th, I'd be your president. Well, that's what she says. She's ignoring the WikiLeaks leaks. I think that those were very influential to get people out and go vote. Uh, you know, the Podesta emails ex exposed so much. Yeah, I think that there was. A little bit of both of that, yeah, but I yeah, do yeah. know that, that the email scandal and the Benghazi thing haunted her. Yes, no doubt. Uh, you know, a lot. No doubt. As far as Vi Gaddy moving forward to her role, okay. um, in, in our experience, and we've investigated this, or several, we've got a couple of the websites for years, is these trolls, these criminals that spent so much time, and, and even uh, this past April, a couple of them, have done some personal things to us. Okay, not, well, you said the use of the term criminal. Do you believe that their behavior is actually breaking criminal statutes? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so that's the problem. So there's Twitter for you. So if they're using Twitter to break the law, that's a problem. Are they going through Twitter to break the law? I believe that they are literally running a trolling operation within Twitter's trust and safety, yes. So you and think it goes to trust and safety that's run by... So the count Gaddy is the general counsel. Is she, I don't know if she's is she the general counsel or is she counsel she's for. The lead, she's the lead counsel. She's the lead counsel. Yeah. So even this past March, again on that website to make it easy on the front page and another page, my partner came with this great idea: is disbar the lawyers. And there's a couple of links there. I wish everybody would sign the petition because it's censored too, and I've only got three hundred some. Uh, Steiners, because when you're censored, you've got to just get them wherever you can. But he's already working on it. The reason he came up with disbar the lawyers of Facebook and Twitter, there's several reasons. 
Yeah, you don't have to wait, wait on Congress. Does it cost you a million dollars to hire a lawyer? But more importantly, Via Gaddy, as you said, she sits there behind behind Jack Dorsey, Dorsey and allows right. him to lie and perjure himself instead of saying, "Hey, boss, you can't do that." And there's a there's a there's a violation. It's on that on that uh, petition that one of the ethics called Sarbanes Oxley. Right. And Sarbanes Oxley and some other violations it points out uh, on it. Basically, if I can get over here and go through that. In other words, we're saying, hey, Facebook and Twitter's lawyers, if, they, if you have been harmed by them, uh, you can file, I don't think it costs anything, a disbarred lawyer, a complaint with the CA bar about them not doing their job. And they are always covering for Dorsey, are always covering for Zuckerberg when, in fact, they are not doing their job, and they could actually be disbarred. So that's something that everybody could do if they've got a legitimate complaint, and they can do it legally. And on the front of the TeaPartyFinance.net website, there's a, uh, I've got a little blue box there that says, please sign a petition. That explains what all these violations are. And then on the other side, I've got one that says, read how and why. You can file your complaint against Twitter and Facebook lawyers. You know, why do that? Because lawyers go into CYA mode immediately if they think they're going to lose their law license. So, well, how, please, how, do, how do you think that um, Sarbanes-Oxley applies to them and could uh, constitute some type of violation that would result in the abnegation of their law license? Okay, well, I'm looking at, uh, at this uh, legalities now. My partner spent a couple of months putting together that Sarbanes-Oxley, I mean, all these ex- ethics violations, attorneys are disbarred all the time. Sure. And there's, there's, there's actually petitions all over the place out there for various uh, um, petitions against other lawyers. But with Twitter or anybody else, Sarbanes-Oxley reads, uh, it imposes a watchdog role for the general counsel or lawyers who must report any potential violation to the chief executive officers. And if the response from these officers is inadequate, then to the board of directors to stop any potential wrongdoing. The reasoning behind the uh, SOX or Sarbanes-Oxley imposed requirement is that the GCs have a moral obligation to society at large to set the corporation in the right direction. Right, While but the- Sarbanes-Oxley is about finances. I don't think that there's something on there that governs ethical behaviors within a corporation, my understanding. I'd have to go back and reread that. But Sarbanes-Oxley... No, it's, it's all on here. It's all on okay, here. Okay, well, I'll have to read it because it's really about simple. it's about corporate fraud. That's why Sarbanes-Oxley... Well, uh, my understanding... I don't know the law enough to say it, but my partner does. And it's all spelled out here on this description, on that uh, link. Learn how you can do it because there's other ethics codes as well, like conspiracy against rights uh, is one of them. There's an RCW 248220. It all is spelled out right here on what they're doing. But my understanding of Sarbanes-Oxley was they can't sit there and let those people, let their bosses break the law. It does say the law demands that they use their legal expertise to advise, intervene, and stop potential corporate wrongdoing. 
failure to do so and engaging in many acts, other acts related to that role of, watch, of watchdog to the company can result in fines up to $1 million and 10 years in prison. Even if it's done mistakenly, it committed, um, if committed purposely, the fine can be up to $5 million and 20 years in prison. There's other ethics violations on there. Um, so okay, you can well, take a look I'll at I'll have those. to take a look at it because, you know. See which ones. Well, you want to do the ones that apply anyway. Maybe some of these some of these ethics violations that the lawyers have done may apply to some people and other ones to you. But the point is, it's there if it applies to you. Don't stop not. Gotcha. Okay, so that's that's what you are interested in doing, correct? Is that's your your approach now? Well, that was just something my partner came up with, and yes, I mean, I'm, I'm letting people know that that's an option, and would like to ask them if they can to go on the website there and at least sign the petition. Since we're so censored, as you know, if the left puts out a petition about anything, they've got 30,000 signers in two days. Right. If we put out a petition about anything, and you, you have to scratch around to get 300. So, um, yeah, just making it, making them aware and saying, "Hey, get a minute, go look up, look that up, and sign the petition." So, so you've been involved in getting this uh, House committee passed, or getting the bill passed, getting the whole thing. What's happened after that, as far as Twitter's involvement and these kind of harassment mobs uh, bothering you and your compatriots? Oh, to this day, they're still they're still messing with us, and in real life. I've actually had to file police reports. I've, ta- I've met with congressmen. I've talked to ranking congressmen, some of them since 2014. Uh, Jim Jordan's office. I sat down in the office of Marsha Blackburn with her chief of staff and legislative director because she's in Tennessee. A, c- a couple of years ago, sat down with all these documents. Uh, uh, what Tennessee Senator Mark Green's aware of it. His receptionist at the time was. Now he's a congressman. But the thing is... Even though they're aware of it, and I filed police reports, and I've had death threats and threats and physical damage to my vehicle last year, um, one of our team members on the movie project ended up losing a 40-year job and just on something he didn't know about from somebody. And then just a few days later, not too, too long ago, I guess sometime in March, one of them cloned my social media, Facebook account or something and tried to make me look like I was doing something I wasn't doing. Two days later, they send my partner a message, the same girl I sent the summons to a few years ago in Fresno, California, sends him a message gloating, mentioning the fact that one of our uh, movie team members had lost a 40-year job. Now, how the hell does she know that? I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, these days they're going after people's employment, their finances, so it's not outside of the realm of possibility that something like but that would sure happen. That's right now we're in the fast-forwarding that we're still paying the price for something as simple at the time of helping get co-sponsors for a bill has turned into a horror movie of a life for us. Because, so um, when these harassments, when you say real-life harassment, you talk about your car being damaged, you talk about people yeah. losing their job. What else has happened? Uh, the fact that they cloned my account, uh, one of my accounts back in um, end of March, evidently. And that's on, on Facebook? Between, 
the try to cause problem between me and my uh, my longtime partner and stuff. He tried to make it look like I was doing something I wasn't doing, and I proved otherwise. Uh, then they turned around two or three days later. The same that one of the same main ones I sent the summons to, and sent him like I say a message, gloating about the fact that this one individual had lost a very good forty-year job he'd never had any trouble with. And but can they prove that that loss was due to some type of uh, troll harassment? Prove it? I don't know that it can be proven. I do know the individual in question that had been on this particular job. Very well respected, no problem for 40 years that he's in a liberal area. And suddenly he gets called in, gets accused of something he didn't even know about and two years ago, didn't remember, boom, out the door he was. And I immediately said, yeah, that sounds very weird, um, considering I know this person mm-hmm. and had no idea what it was about. And then one of my trolls, you know, been after us for all these years, could send a message discussing it. Now, you have to go, how would that troll know that? And why would they bother trying to send a message after I hadn't heard from them in seven or eight months? You know, it's just all too weird because they were still, my partner went on to try to do 3D Christian movies, and there's more to that story over the past three years where they kept harassing those as well. When you say they, who are they? They, the same, same criminal troll operatives. How many are there? Do you have names? Are they fake names? Are they cutouts? Are they sock cutout accounts? I have a couple of real names. The rest of them are uh, fake names and fake accounts. Do you think they're they're being paid from some central source? Yes. Where where do you think that is? Um, You know, I would only be guessing because we haven't been able to get a lawyer yet to, to go after them. I'd like to subpoena Twitter and find out who owns the main... There's one troll, main, one main leader. And this one main leader, we believe it to be the best friend of um, Twitter Trust and Safety, Del Harvey. Del Harvey. And uh, we believe it to be this scumbag. And... If, but I, you know, I can't really prove it without a lawyer going in there and going... Right. We need to subpoena who owns the, the, you know, who owns these IP addresses for this half dozen bad accounts. But I will tell you, one of them that came after my partner's movie account last year that they suspended as well, his second follower is Obama. So, you know, when saying things like "we own Congress," and that you know, they're not going to let us survive, and right now we're almost aren't. They've cost him his career, his job. They kept us from raising, being able to raise money on our crowdfunders. It's been, it's just been a nightmare. It's cost him everything. It's cost me everything. And we are hanging on by a thread and almost not that on our Christian movie project now because of it. So what do you think your, what remedy are you going to try to uh, enact? Well, the, the only other remedy right now is, um, I can tell them a little bit more about the movie projects. Um, I will say that right now we need money. I mean, they have depleted our funds. We have investors for movie projects, and we've got a, there's a investor's video, and uh, I am currently in a place that was going to be our studio. We've got 
a lot of the pre-production work done and uh, second unit work done, but now we're really, really pushing it to try to save this thing because you can't have a Facebook following, you can't have a Twitter following, you can't have any numbers, you can't reach the broader world masses. So you think that you're still being shadow banned to this day, correct? Oh, Your I know. Is not going up. You can, that's provable. It's provable. Gotcha. It's provable. On Twitter, I've got two accounts, Michelle and my Amazon. Anything I put out cannot be seen at all. Nothing. Wow. We have, we've got proof on uh, the website, on Facebook as well, that after we left Twitter and started with the movie project, we tried to have a pro promotions on Facebook. You take a link to a uh, anything, your crowdfunder, showing your website, showing a really high-end looking, uh, exciting new Christian movie concept trailers, and you could take any of those links, put them in Facebook groups that have 100,000 or a million people, where everybody around you is getting two and 300 comments, interactions, and likes. Everybody. I've even had them on Donald Trump's page, where everybody was getting comments and likes. Nothing. Crickets. That my partner and I both could get on, and him especially was doing tests, could get into any other groups just talking about movie things or toys or this or that and he'd get all kinds of likes and comments put one of our links on there crickets I mean, this is all documented so have you tried to get involved in other types of uh, tech outlets social media tech sites? yeah and I'm pretty much getting disgusted with that because some of the I mean I know there's other smaller alternative social media sites that I've tried to get and everybody you know everybody's on a different one. But when you get in there, there's usually not a lot of people. And even when I tried a couple of the others, you still kind of run into the same thing. I don't know if it is the fact that they have have just flagged the heck out of the links themselves because every time some of my friends and new people that I knew in Christian conservative groups that I've talked to even recently, they'd try to open up the website the movie project and get a warning you get some kind of a horrible warning or something um, I know a couple of years ago we started out with a different 3D movie that was going to be more expensive to make called Bravery and Town Hall one of the writers at Town Hall did an article and a very good article about our work, about the work we did on Benghazi, the censorship how that movie project and crowdfunded been so terribly uh, censored you know, and asking people to help us. And the article came out on a Sunday morning in town hall. And we knew it was coming out in Christian Post that same week. All excited because, okay, that's our, that would be, that's, those are both big publications, right? That's our, that's our, uh, market. Well, as soon as it came out in town hall, that morning we started getting strangers donating, throwing money in there, $50, $100, thanking us for our work on Benghazi, hated this was happening, hoped that this helps your movie. Only problem was, by 11 or 12 o'clock Central the same morning, nothing else. Completely stopped. Hmm. Seven or eight donations and not another dime. It hit Christian Post the following Thursday afternoon. Same article, front page. We were all excited because that was the market that would want these Christian movies to reach the millennials that were not dramas, 
compete with Hollywood. And we thought, okay, now we can, now we'll get somewhere. Not a penny. So then everybody's radar went up, and I did speak to a a former FBI agent that had been a friend of acquaintance of mine for some thirty or forty years, and he started looking at it. He goes, you know, it looks like they're trying to bounce it off. They're they're either taking the money or they're stopping it from going through. Fast forward to last year. One more story on this for you. Um, so, David, we'll start doing Orbiter movie, which looks like a combination. And I'll tell you about that in a minute more. But it's a Tom Clancy-style motion picture. It looks a lot like Gravity because it takes place on the space station. And we've got a Gravity versus Orbiter concept tra- a trailer to show you and investors, tra- uh, all this stuff. So we're trying to beat Hollywood and can and get the Christian message out to the young generation. Finally have a team to do it. But last year, since we were so censored, he says, okay, well, we're going to beat this. Book some radio shows for me over the air, over the air only, and we'll get on there. So I book 15 over-the-air radio shows, Andrea Kay, Mark Hahn, you know, Pastor Greg, and a station in Atlanta, Georgia, all in North Georgia, and all Knoxville, all these shows across the country in a two-week period of time for him. He had 30-minute, hour-long interviews. Everybody's just going, wow, this is great. We need these movies. Buddy, we need this. 6,000 people went to the website. Almost 3,000 people went to the crowdfunder. Guess how many out of that 3,000 went to the crowdfunder donated? I don't know. You tell me. Not one. Three thousand people went to that crowdfunder during that two weeks. So we're we're at forty minutes now, Kathy. You're headed toward. You're trying to get to D.C. for the Freedom Rally, July sixth. Is that correct? Oh yes, I finally. I wanted my voice back. I mean, they've squashed us like a bug. You know, some of these people out here had a chance to have YouTube channels and to build their. Facebook pages up to a million. They could do that. And even though when they started getting demonetized, they were making a lot of noise, but they had the money and the uh, presence to do something. We couldn't get our voice back. You know, they shut us down as a young team, and they still have us that way. And it was killing us. It's just ruined my partner's career and mine. So I said, okay, I've got to do something. So I finally got in with some people, and now I've been invited as a key speaker to come speak at the D.C. rally. And that I know Donald Trump's paying a lot of attention to that and, and some of his other people. And it's critically, critically important I go. Gotcha. Otherwise, I think we might lose this whole thing. So I'm trying to raise money, find investors for this movie project, and I also need to raise money to get to that rally um, because they have clobbered our finances so much, there's no way I could do it otherwise. Um, so, so how I, can people get in touch with you? How can they? You have a crowdfunder site, right? I started a crowdfunder today. Send Kathy to DC. Um, it is not going to be cheap. It's going to cost me at least, you know, a thousand fifteen hundred dollars uh, to go. When you start considering the flight um, round trip and the rooms that they've got and the VIP you know, get to know people. But one of the reasons I did want to go 
is not only to let my voice be heard again, uh, I've got plenty to say on Twitter and Facebook censorship, and I feel like it's only going to be wrong. We've been, I mean, I'm kind of like the pioneer frontier to all this. We have worked our backsides off for years trying to get something done. Gotcha. We tried to warn them about it getting this big, but nobody listened. Right. Right. So now it's just a it's just a, such a current issue now, deplatforming, censorship, shadow banning that uh yeah, it's not gonna go away. I don't know how the how well, the solution is gonna very be worked serious. out. People don't realize how serious it is. I hear people go, Oh, just get off of Twitter. Oh, just get off of Facebook. No. We've already lost our mainstream media, right? So we don't have media. That's the fake news. When they when you do not have social media, which Andrew Breitbart used to refer to as the new media, which he was right. It was a great tool when we weren't censored. But nowadays, it is the only voice, the only media, the only way the right, the Christian right, have to fight back is the, the news out there and even to support Trump. And if they don't do something, you're in Nazi Germany, you have no voice. You have no way. What they did to us in ruining our Christian movie business which I pray to God some investor, person, or philanthropist will contact me right away and help us save the day. I've only got two, a couple of weeks to save this project. And you get to the point where you're just like, we've, we've fought and fought and fought, and we're left laying bloody in the battlefield. You need Calvary to come along and help us out. Gotcha. You know, it makes you think, why did we ever do this stuff back then? But, you know, I don't want to have regrets because it exposed Hillary Clinton. You know, but but it does get very painful when you feel like people will, you know, are they out there? Do they care? Are they going to help us? Well, on that note, how can they reach out to you? So that you have the fundraiser that says, send Kathy to D.C. Do you have an email or uh, some other mean? Yes. On the website, of, right? TeaPartyFireAmps.net. Right. There's a contact box on there on the TeaPartyFireAmps.net. Hopefully you can put that okay. on your show. Uh, there's a contact box that comes to me, okay. and so they certainly can email me anything if they want to talk to us about investing in the movie, if they want to know more about it. Um, I know that I didn't put any links to the movie on there, but it is on the crowdfunder. Okay. The, the two links to the movie is on there because what, on the crowdfunder, I need your help, guys. Seriously want to get to this rally. It's urgently important to me after all these years of fighting this reporting, you know, making police reports, talking to congressmen, senators, going to their offices. This is seriously important and at a most important time. Uh, even, even so, you know, I, they just, we, we were doing fine with the movie, started out, but you're doing it the hard way. You know, you're trying to find connections and name people that could help. And they're interested. They're out there. Okay. They're out there. All right, great. So, again, Kathy, Shell, Amadon. And the website is TeaPartyFireAnts.net. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Have a good night.